Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You know, we don't always understand, again, you know, why God does that. But sometimes these nations have been given hundreds of years, and the news of the God of Israel and the morality and the the laws, it's in our hearts. And, And they were certainly at some point made aware that these things aren't good, these things aren't right, and yet they continued in them. And God, there's a there's a point when God says, I've given you several hundred years to turn from your way, and you and instead of getting better, you're getting worse and worse and worse. And so God has the right to have them destroyed. How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. We're glad you can join us today on Truth in Christ. Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3. In our lesson today, we see the nation of Israel continuing to follow God's instructions while they approach the promised land, but not without questions as they face many battles along the way. There are many times we may question why God allows certain struggles or battles in our lives and why our loved ones may leave us early at times. In that time and even today, God tells us in Isaiah 55 verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As we walk with the Lord, we learn that we can trust Him and His ways. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's lesson. There comes a point when your heart becomes, when you've given, you've, you haven't corrected your own heart. You've allowed your heart to continue on in its hardness. And, and, and there comes a point where God says, I'm going to give you what you desire. Because your heart is so bent on it, I'm just going to allow you to continue in that obstinate path that you've got going. And so we must be careful. But notice that God did that to Sion, king of Heshbon. He hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate. And the point was that God was going to deliver into Israel this king and all of his people. All of his people. In verse 31, it says, and we're back now in Deuteronomy chapter 2. In verse 31, it says, The Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sion and his land over to you. Begin to possess it and in it, but uh, possess it that you may inherit this land. And notice it says, Then Sihon and all his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz. Now, if you look up at the, the map here, you'll see something interesting. Right up here, you see that right there where it says Jahaz? So right here is Moab, and here is Edom. They crossed over the Zered River um, last week, or the week before when we were here. They passed over that. They crossed over into Moab, and now they crossed over the Arnon River. And then finally, the king of Sion meets them at this town called Jahaz and engages them in battle. And then Sion, verse 32, and all his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord, our God, delivered him over to us. So we defeated him, his sons and all his people. Verse 34, so we took all his cities at that time, and we utterly destroyed the men, women, and the little ones of every city. We left none remaining. 
And if you remember last, uh, the two weeks ago when we were in this, we, we just talked about this, and I just want to share with it really quick. You know, we don't always understand why God allows innocence, innocent children to, to pass. And if you weren't here, I want to encourage you that consider when God allowed them to go in and wipe out men, women, and children. You know, we don't have a problem with the men so much. We have a little bit harder of a time with the women, and we certainly have a hard time with kids. Because we're thinking to ourselves, where is God? How can he be just and do something like that? Well, consider in that culture, if those kids were to grow up and continue on in their father and mother's footsteps, which most of them did, they served their false gods, they die, and guess what? They go to hell. But you know what? I believe that children, when they pass away, and I don't know the age when that comes over, we call it the age of accountability, there's only a couple places in the Bible where we can really substantiate that, that idea. But I think they're pretty good. And I believe God is a just God. And when children are young like that and God takes them, they're, they're with him. So you think about all of these pagan places that, were, that the children of Israel are going into. And when God tells them to wipe out everybody, don't allow your heart to be overcome with too much sorrow because those children are in glory, I believe. The parents, different story perhaps. But those children are with the Lord. And you think about the mercy of God in that. Now a soul is in heaven where if he let that child continue and grow, guess what? The outcome might be different. So think of that. Because to me, that's the only way I can get my mind around that kind of thing. And I believe it's true. I believe it's true. So verse 34, we took all his cities at that time and we utterly destroyed the men, women, and the little ones of every city. We left none remaining. We, own, we took only the livestock as plunder for ourselves with the spoil of the cities which we took. From Aurorar, which is on the bank of the Arnon, and from the city that is in the ravine, as far as Gilead, there was not one city too strong for us. The Lord God delivered all to us. And if you look again up at the screen, this Aurorar is right here. That's the city right here. And this Arnon River is the one he's talking about right here. And right in the middle of that river, if you were to zoom in there, you'd find in the, in the center of that stream or that river, there was actually a, a, a city that was right in the center. And, they, and that was a really a stronghold, and they actually took that over as well. So verse 37, only you, speaking Moses speaking to the children of Israel, he says, only you did not go near the land of the people of Ammon, anywhere along the river Jabbok or to the cities of the mountains or wherever the Lord our God had forbidden us. Because remember, God says, stay away from the children of Ammon. Stay away from Moab. Those are your brothers. I've given them their, that land. It belongs to them. It has nothing to do with you. I've, I've got a land for you, but it's different. And you can see up here on the screen, here's the children of Ammon over here. And these are the descendants of, of Lot's uh, son, Ammon. And then, of course, Moab. Moab was down below here, uh, underneath here. And, 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 and God is saying, leave them alone. Leave them alone. And the river Jabbok is this river right up here. Right there. That's the Jabbok River right there that he's talking about. So we get into chapter 3. And it says, Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan. And Og, king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. Now, Bashan, if we look at this, this is just an ancient road that is um, in Israel. And there are a lot of these roads that are still paved, that are paved now, and they used to be ancient roads. Along the Mediterranean, there was the old trunk highway, a king's highway there. And this is another king's highway 
uh, along here. And we believe that this is probably one of the roads that they traveled on. So after they had um, battled uh, the king of, of, of Heshbon, they go up here now, taking this road and continuing to go up. And they battle, and, and they're all, they go all the way up to... Um, up to Edrei, which is right up here, if you can see up on the screen. So they traveled all the way up here now. And that's where they battled Og, king of, of, of Bashan. Verse 2, And the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him and all of his people and his land into your hand. You shall not do to him, or I'm sorry, you shall do to him as you did to Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelled at Heshbon. In other words, it's one of those same campaigns. You go in, everybody has got to go. You know, we don't always understand, again, you know, why God does that. But sometimes these nations have been given hundreds of years. And the news of the God of Israel and the morality and, and, the, and the laws, it's in our hearts. And, and they were certainly at some point made aware that these things aren't good. These things aren't right. And yet they continued in them. And God, there's a, there's a point when God says, I've given you several hundred years to turn from your way. And, you, and instead of getting better, you're getting worse and worse and worse. And so God has the right to have them destroyed. We don't like that. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem fair. But one thing I've learned about the Lord, this is going to sound really weird, but God is not fair, but he's just. Was he fair to Esau and Jacob? He gave the promises to Jacob, and he gave to Esau some promises too, but was it fair what had happened? Not really. It wasn't really fair. Was it just? God knows what he's doing, right? Verse 2, he says, And the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him. And then finally, verse 3, he says, So the Lord our God also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people, and we attacked him until they had no survivors remaining again. And so, and we took all of his cities at that time, and there was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og and Bashan. And so you look up here on the screen, and all this area right in here, all of this belonged to Og, king of Bashan. And, and we're going to see here shortly that, that, uh, that God gave that to Manasseh, Manasseh. And so verse 5, all these cities were fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, besides a great many rural towns. And we utterly destroyed them, as we did to Sion, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But all the livestock and the spoil of the cities we took as booty for ourselves. Sounds like pirates, doesn't it? Um, they, they took those things that were useful and, uh, and used it for themselves. Verse 8, And at that time we took the land from the hand of the two kings of the Amorites who were on this side of the Jordan, from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon. So Arnon, again, is uh, this road that is um, down below and all the way up to Mount Hermon, which is up here in the, in the very north part of, of Israel. In fact, when you're on top, right here is where we visit this little area right here when we go to Israel, and you can actually see... Uh, you can look down into Assyria, and then you can look northward, and you can see Mount Hermon and its snow-capped snow, uh, mountains, and it's beautiful. You could be there during the summer, and it could be like, you're like, it's very hot, and look up there, and there's snow on those caps. That's how high it is, right? It's really beautiful. But that's used to belong to Og, king of Bashan. For only Og, verse 11, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants, 
And these giants, this word is Rephaim, and, and they were an ancient tribe, and they, they were believed to be a part of or associated with what we know as the Nephilim. That's the fallen ones. And there's a lot of speculation on, on who these people were, but these Rephaim were descendants or somehow associated with them because of their stature. All of these giants were, they were of the same genetic pool, if you will. And some believe that, that the angels, that the fallen angels, that they were either fallen angels who came and manifested themselves in human form and had intercourse with women, and out of that offspring came these Nephilim, these genetically very different uh, people who, were, who had a great stature, huge people, right? Goliath was one of them. Goliath was one of them. And Og was one of the last ones of them. And, and others believe that it was just uh, men who were possessed by demons and had intercourse with women and, and somehow some kind of mutation in the genes, something happened in, the, in this race of people who are very large statured came out as a result. Don't really know what happened there, but it's pretty spooky, if you ask me. And it's pretty disturbing, actually, if you think of it. And, um, but God, that was one of the reasons for the flood. God says, I will not always strive with man, because the intents of the heart of man are wicked continually. And this was happened before the flood. And it also says in Genesis chapter 6, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, but he says, and also after that, you know, and we believe that was after the flood, because even after the flood, because who was on that boat? Who was on that ark? There were only eight people. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah, and their wives. Eight people. And it was almost like Satan was trying to corrupt the seed of man, knowing that what he heard back in Genesis in the garden, the seed of the woman is going to destroy you. <laughs> he's going to crush your head. And so he's thinking to himself, well, if that's going to happen, then I'm going to do everything I can to corrupt this line. I'm going to do everything I can. And it doesn't surprise me, actually, that an angel, even a fallen angel, might be able to manifest themselves as a human being. Because remember in Genesis chapter 18, when Abraham was there sitting at his tent, and he saw three angelic beings come to him? One of them was the Lord of glory. Angels. Could it be that a fallen angel can do the same thing? It's possible. Jude seems to think so. These angels that have left their former habitation, something happened there that's a little weird, puzzling, disturbing. <laughs> but Og was one of these. And it says, For only Og, king of Bashan, verse 11, remained of the remnant of the giants, these ancient tribe of, of giants. Indeed, his bedstead was an, uh, an iron bedstead, and it was made of iron. Is it not in Rabbah of the people of Ammon? So evidently, this man's bed was actually sustained in Ammon, in the, city, in the, in the area of Ammon that we looked at on the, on the screen a few moments ago. And it gives the dimensions of it. It says nine cubits is its length and four cubits its width, according to the standard cubit. The standard cubit's 18 inches. You do the math, and you're looking at a bed that's 13 and a half feet long and six feet wide. That's the kind of guy you want to draft in the NFL. Okay? Nobody's going to go through that lineman. You're going to hit him, and you're going to bounce back. And he doesn't even need to wear any armor. <laughs> he doesn't even need to wear any shoulder pads. Here's one artist's rendition of this, which I think is really interesting. This, um, this is a, a painting that was made in 1770 by Johann Balth, Balthasar Probst. I think I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but 
But, but you can see there um, this iron bedstead, what it might have looked like. And you can see the scale of the men next to him. This guy was a genetic nightmare. I'd be scared of him. So now we get into the next section, and it talks about the, the land east of the Jordan divided. Now, before we get into it, you know, this, this, this section really speaks of the, the division of the land east of the Dead Sea, because as the children of Israel were coming in and they were conquering these, these enemies, the Sihon and Og, and they were taking all that land, you know, it makes you wonder what would have happened. That wasn't God's perfect will, was it? It was his permissive will. Because this, these tribes that would ultimately settle in these areas, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they were actually going to go into the promised land with the rest of the nine and a half tribes and, and, and stay with them and, and conquer the land of Canaan. But they, they decided that they, what they saw was something better, and they, they didn't want to settle for God's best. They, wanted his, they thought it was best, but it was really second or third or maybe even fourth best. And I think one of the lessons here as we read this to, to be thinking about is not just to settle for God's permissive will. Don't just settle for God's permissive will. Wait and do his perfect will, and you will be blessed beyond measure. And you'll, will, you'll never regret waiting on God and, and, and letting his perfect will be done, but you will always regret the permissive will. You'll always question yourself, what could have been? What should have been? And I know there's a lot of us in here that have made choices over our life and think, what could have happened if I hadn't done this? If I hadn't done this course of action, what might have happened? If I hadn't said this thing, what would have happened? If I hadn't moved out of a fit of, of, of fear and decided to go somewhere else, what might have happened if I just stuck it out and, done, and, and just let the Lord change me in the circumstance? And the problem is, is these, three and a half, or these two and a half tribes, they had the same problem we do, the eyes. Look with me at Numbers 32. We're just going to look at the first five verses. It says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock, and when they saw the land of Jazer, that, that battle that we just saw, when they saw that land and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a great place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Adaroth, Debon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elalea, Shabam, Nebo, and Baon, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession, but do not take us over to the Jordan. And do you see that? They see with their eyes. It's very natural to see with the eyes. It doesn't require any faith at all. You just see with your eyes. But don't take us over this Jordan. It almost sounds as if God was going to give them a bad deal. Did you ever feel like God has given you a bad hand in life? <laughs> you know, we think, God has given, you've given me a bad hand, Lord, and I don't like it. I'm not happy. But didn't God say that this was a land flowing with milk and honey? Did he say it was going to be easy? No, he didn't say it was going to be easy, but he did say that I'd go before you and all you have to do is show up and pay attention. Show up and obey. Be obedient, listen, 
and be obedient and follow through. And you know what? No matter how big the army, no, how, no matter how big the fortified walls, when God says, I'm going to go before you, you just go before me and do the work, and I will, I will strike the fear in their hearts. I'll do the psychological, and you guys just go in and do, and, and do the physical. And I'll give you the strength even to do that. And I love God for that. He knows what he's doing. This ought to sound very familiar because Lot had the same problem. In Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 8, you remember the event. It says, So Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? So please separate from me, Lot. You've got a lot of cattle. And if you take the left, then I will take to the right. And if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, again, walking by sight and not by faith, that it was well watered everywhere. And this is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. And then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. He continued going east, and what is he going to run into? And they separated from each other, and Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So you can see in his, what he was seeing with his eyes was just the allure of the land. And what's that going to do always? It's going to bring you into a place where you're going to get, and then all of a sudden you're not going to be able to get out. Sin is like that. You make one compromise and you get into it, and there's no getting out of it so easily. If you, it's, sometimes it's hard to just hold your ground and say, I'm not going any further, and you have to do it. And it takes strength to do that. It takes strength, inner strength, God-given strength by the Spirit of God. But if you cave in, it's going to be that much harder to get out because I'm sure that Lot says, well, I'm not going to be like those wretched sinners. Like it says in verse 13, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Lot's thinking to himself, I'm, I'm like my brother, I'm like my uncle Abraham. Not going to give in to that, but he pitched his tent toward it. And before long, he's, look, he's looking, he's seeing hmm. the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life starts to take over because now he's in a place of ease. All of his cattle are feeding, the food is coming in, the servants are doing well, everything seems to be doing well. And little does he know that his, his faith is being eroded moment by moment as he pitches his tent towards Sodom. Are you like that? Are you in a place right now where you're flirting with something you know you ought not to flirt with? God has told you that you're not to do it, and you're doing it anyway. You're flirting with it, you know what's wrong, and you are involved in it, and you find yourself less resistant to pull back any longer, and you find yourself doing the same thing over and over. And you say, God, will you deliver me? And when you finally get to the point where you hate it, God can deliver you. He can and he will. But you need to make steps to pull away from that. You have to do it. And he'll give you the strength to do it. So don't play with the flesh. If you play with the flesh, you will get burned. There's no doubt about it. Because the flesh is never satisfied. And notice, this created a problem with them. In Joshua chapter 22, we're not going to go there because of time, but I'm going to share with you the incident. After they had... Later on in history at this time, after they conquer that land and uh, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they get their land and they're all settled. Moses comes to them and he talks about this in Joshua, and Joshua does too. He says, when this happens, make sure that you, all the men, go over and help 
the other tribes go into the land of Canaan and secure that land. You help us because we helped you, right? It only makes sense. We all went in here and we did this together. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.